Welcome to What's Going On, the weekly podcast and video cast of First United Methodist Church in Yankton, South Dakota. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of What's Going On. I'm Pastor Katie Rickey here at Yankton First United Methodist Church in Yankton, South Dakota, and I'm so glad you've joined us for this episode. We have another special episode in this series that I've been doing lately where we're following up with former Yankton youth who have now uh, become pastors in their own right. Uh, So we started off with Sarah Stoddard McManus and uh, most recently, we had Valerie Hummel Labounty. And so today, I'm so excited to get to visit with Jen Kish Anderson. How often do you get uh, introduced in that way? <laughs> yeah, it's been a, a long while, for sure. <laughs> yeah, well, I've never, I never knew you as Jen Kish. I only ever have known you as Jen Anderson. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, welcome to the podcast. It's so great to be here. So if you are newer to the church or, or maybe uh, just kind of like, I don't know who this is, you want to kind of explain some of the people that are connected to you that are still here at the church? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm going to probably yawn through. Uh, we've got three little ones and not much sleep here. So, <laughs> um, but you all probably know my parents, Dennis and Diane Kish. My mom works there at the church um, and has been helping out there for years and years and years now. So Uh, And then my brother, one of my brothers, Nick Kish, is also still in Yankton as well with his family. Yeah, and Nick uh, was the one who built our new deck on the Parsonage. Wow, Uh, awesome. That is wonderful and beautiful and great. (laughs) That's Um, wonderful. So uh, you kind of were part of that same era of people that uh, there was just something happening, I think, in the youth group in Yankton in the early 2000s. The spirit was moving. And so do you want to share maybe some of uh, your memories and your experiences of of growing up here and growing up at First UMC? Yeah. (sighs) And it's totally okay. I have young kids as well. And that's how it is. I just, again, just if you hear her yawning, she did say that it's not because she's bored. <laughs> no, 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 for sure. Our, our youngest is teething uh, and getting some molars and so not very much fun. But uh, growing up in Yankton, yeah, I remember when I was, gosh, in middle school youth, or maybe it was like right when I was a freshman in high school must have been freshman, sophomore in high school, because I remember there were four of us in the youth group. It was me and my brother, Nick, and Sarah and her brother, Adam. And like, that's who showed up on, you know, I'm sure there were others as well, but that was like, in my memory, (laughs) our regular uh, attendance for Sunday school or for youth group. Uh, It was two sets of siblings and it was like, oh my gosh, (laughs) like I have to do this with Nick again. Uh, And I'm sure Sarah had some of the same insights. Um, But then, yeah, I don't know. Um, Dane came and things just like clicked a lot. He, I remember as soon as Dane came, one of the first things he did, he like sent out a letter or a card or something to all the youth. And he asked us to bring in like our favorite CD, right? Compact discs, you know? Oh yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm old too. So yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The younger kids now. Right. but yeah, to bring in our favorite city, whatever it was, he said he doesn't care about, you know, if there's language on it or anything like that. He didn't care. He just wanted to know what our favorite city was uh, and to bring it in so that he could listen to it. And it was like, you, you like care what 
and listening to. Um, so that was like the first initial thing, like, hmm, this, this person like actually cares what we think. So uh, and pause. it just progressed from there. <laughs> what CD did you choose? I have no idea. I'm sure, gosh, at that point as a high schooler, it would have probably been like DC Talk, one of those. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, middle school, high school, it was, yeah, the DC Talk and what was it? Go Fish. <gasps> Go um, Fish. Oh my gosh. I saw them the first year that I went to Lifelight. They were the headliners because the first year I went was, I think, 2000. And it was still in the church uh, yard. And yeah. had DC or Go Fish. DC Talk, I'm just laughing because I, I, I've been having a problem lately of all of my sermon references being like 30 years old. And I did DC talks, um, love is a verb. Yeah. <laughs> and so, yeah, no, I'm with oh. you on that. <laughs> yeah. I remember, uh, I think, I don't know if it was riverboat days. There was something going on down at the park. Uh, and Sarah and I went to a concert and go fish was there. And so we had them sign our jeans. <laughs> My mom probably still has them. She hangs on to all the fun little memorabilia stuff. So we'll have to do some digging and see if we can pull them up. Oh, did you ever go to their Christmas concerts? They had a, a for a while, they had Christmas concerts in Sioux Falls and, and oh man, they were so good because they could sing um, the Grinch song because they had a bass singer and I loved it. I loved it. Go fish, man. Go fish. So good. So good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it, youth group just kind of like exploded. Uh, we had all kinds of new kids coming. And I, I know Sarah shared the story of Dane bringing in all his stack of books and just being like, here you go. I think he asked us something about like, is Jesus human or divine? Like, you know, mm. what do you think? It was like, oh, uh, like we're in high school. <laughs> you this is a big question. Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, so it was, I remember, yeah, like Sarah said, our heads just hurt the next day, like from all of the thinking and trying to figure this out and like form an argument for why Jesus is both human and divine and like pointing to evidence uh, to back that up. It was just great. Hooked you right in to- yeah. So thinking beyond, so where would you say, or when would you say you really experienced or knew your call into ministry? Oh my goodness. Um, I mean, this is funny. Sarah was wearing a shirt too. And here we go. I'm giving s'more for camp. (laughs) (laughs) And I mean, between youth group and camp, like those two places really nurtured my call uh, to ministry. And I remember being even like before I could go to camp, my older brother, Mike went to camp and Mike, you know, is up here in the twin cities with me now. Um, but he went to camp and came back just like a totally different person. And I remember thinking as, you know, elementary or middle schooler being like, as soon as I can go to LTC, I'm going to go and figure out like what, what this is all about. Like how can somebody be changed in such a dramatic way by God? Um, and so, yeah, so I went, as soon as I was old enough, I went to LTC and I think it was that freshman year, either, I think it was the summer after my freshman year in high school, um, we had like quiet time, right? Where everybody kind of got some questions and journaling and whatnot. 
and you kind of went off on your own. Um, and I sat with my back against one of the little trees by the lake uh, and just very distinctly remember being like, okay, God is calling me to ministry, like to do something in the church. Um, and at first it was kind of like, I don't know about this. <laughs> I really, I know that, I know what it's feeling, but I don't know if I really want to go that route. So it definitely started at camp and, and through youth group for sure. So from Yankton, uh, where did you head to college? I went to Jamestown uh, College, which is now the University of Jamestown up in Jamestown, North Dakota. So we headed up there, Blair and I, we were high school sweethearts. Uh, we were both part of the youth group and both ended up at Jamestown um, and then ended up getting married between our junior and senior year. Uh, so senior year of college was a whirlwind. <laughs> Um, to say the least, we um, we had served as the co-youth directors for the two Methodist churches in town, in Jamestown. Um, and I think we were, we were the co-youth directors for maybe two, two and a half years. And then the DS, who was the spouse at the time of one of the pastors, uh, kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said, do you want to serve as a student pastor? Uh, for two little churches north of Jamestown. So senior year, I was a full-time student, newly married, and serving as a pastor part-time for two churches, <laughs> an hour away from school. So yeah, it oh was it was wild. Yeah, and that's before you even wonderful. headed to seminary. Right, yeah, it was yeah. like, what, yeah, it was intimidating is like not even... <laughs> doesn't even like reach how you know the level of intimidation it's like I I have no like official training <laughs> like I had taken like my religion classes in college but yeah I was thrown into the deep end but the folks uh, at New Rockford and Cavernous were so loving and gracious and just walked alongside with me to be like baby steps right like this is this is what we do yeah. <laughs> this is what a pastor does well, I think also, and one of the parts of my story was, you know, you think that youth ministry and ministry are like two different worlds, but the reality is, is youth ministry is ministry. And so, you know, even that experience was preparing you. And I've been surprised in my time because I was a full-time youth pastor for three years before I went back to seminary. And that was when I received the calling that God was like, um, you can do ministry because you're doing it now. You're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, but the thing you, that you're living. <laughs> yeah. You know, this thing that you're yeah. already doing, that's what I want you to do. Oh, okay. Um, but when I was in seminary, then I went to a retirement community as a chaplain. And I remember thinking like, this is exactly like middle school youth. Like it's a lot of the same issues that are happening yeah. about trying to figure out your identity about, uh, you know, clicks and so-and-so like so-and-so and what, you know, like, oh my gosh, I just, I'm always like amazed because I think people really have a distinction that youth ministry is just, you know, fun and games, but youth ministry is ministry. And uh, it really does. And in a lot of ways, I think prepare people well for, for, um, ministry with every other age. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you went to Jamestown, you got married to your high yeah. school sweetheart. I mean, how often does that get to happen? 
Yeah, that's amazing. And then, and then what, then what did you do? And then we headed off to North Carolina so that I could go to Duke for seminary, which was my first choice. Um, and Blair very, very graciously put off his schooling so that I could go do that. So he worked uh, in a lab and put me through school. And then he applied um, to grad schools all across the country. We didn't know where we were gonna end up next. Uh, and then he ended up staying at Duke. So we were down in North Carolina for almost 10 years while I did school and then he did school. Um, and yeah, so after my three years of seminary, I actually put off uh, ministry kind of stuff for about a year. I coached gymnastics, which was a huge part of my life growing up as folks in Yankton know. Um, so coached gymnastics for a year. And then when we kind of realized we were gonna still be in North Carolina, uh, jumped back in and put my name in the hat in North Carolina to see if they would have a church uh, available for me. I had been commissioned in 2012 and then started serving a church down there part-time. Um, yeah, in 2012, it would have been and served there for five years and then added on another church kind of at the, the very last end before we came back up to Minnesota um, in 2017, it would have been. So, yeah, <laughs> it's been a whirlwind. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's possible to fit that much life, right, between high yeah. school and now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've added three kids along the way, two of them born in North Carolina, one of them born here in Minnesota. Yeah. So to say you're busy is an understatement. Yeah. <laughs> so, and, and then now you're serving a church in Minnesota. Yep. So I am uh, the pastor of discipleship at Roseville and St. Anthony Park um, at Centennial UMC. So I am a pastor on staff, which growing up in the Dakotas, um, when I went to seminary, my whole plan was to, you know, kind of take a little bit of everything because the plan was to always come back to the Dakotas. And most pastors in Dakotas like kind of do a little bit of everything because there aren't a lot of churches that have multiple pastors on staff. Uh, so it's, yeah, not anything that I envisioned doing when I went off to seminary, but it's a wonderful fit and just, I love being able to get to do that, you know, discipleship with all ages. Yeah, so maybe share a little bit about um, what that would include, some of the things that you focus on. Yeah, in my current role, um, I get to do Christian education with everybody from birth to the grave, pretty much. Uh, I focus a lot on kids, so the, the little, little ones all the way up to fifth grade, uh, and then we kind of kind of hand off a little bit to our middle school and high school youth directors, uh, but I'm, I'm their kind of their oversight uh, supervisor and then get to do young adult ministry as well. And then all of our small groups and education with adults. So lots going on, but yeah, it's all across the spectrum. We are starting a small group challenge over the summer here at first. Uh, we're gonna, we're challenging people to read the entire New Testament. Uh, we found, a, we found a, a version of the New Testament that is written in a different uh, order. And then it has an eight week study to go with it. And so we're challenging people to either, if they have a small group that they're already a part of, or to kind of recruit their friends and make a small group and do that challenge over the summer. Uh, so I'm really excited about it. I hope that uh, people kind of get a re a renewed vision of, you know, when you have to read through the whole breadth of the New Testament, which is 
it's a lot. It's not as, as much as the Old Testament. Um, but you start to see the overview and the big picture and yeah. the things that, that God is doing. And so hopefully that can lead into some uh, uh, longer lasting small groups as we move forward. But uh, it's exciting. It's, and it, 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 what a gift for your church to have someone who can really focus on and encourage and develop those things. So I have to ask, uh, you know, as someone who has done ministry now in different parts of the country, I mean, you grew up here, you were in North Carolina, which I have to admit, um, I visited Duke Divinity School when I was looking at seminaries, um, partially because I had read Stanley Hauerwas when I was in college. And, you know, I think anyone who reads him is a little bit enamored with him. (laughs) Yeah, for Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, And then, um, and then now you're now you're in Minnesota, which Minnesota, there's, I think a lot that there's similar to us, but also being closer to the cities, I think that also presents different um, challenges and different um, uh, perspectives as well. And so I'm curious, you know, between maybe South Dakota and North Carolina, what would you say were some of the things that surprised you that is kind of universal about churches? And maybe what are some things that uh, were kind of culture shock or things that you had to kind of learn as you went? Yeah, oh, that's a great question. I know <laughs> when I applied to seminary, um, I actually went down maybe a month or two early and was a part of what they were calling bridge. I think it was like building relationships in Duke and Durham through graduate school education, you know, like some long acronym kind of a thing. But <laughs> Um, but the whole point of Project Bridge was like a week or two week long kind of intensive about learning about Duke and learning about Durham and the conflicting histories that they have, um, especially around racial reconciliation um, and the history there. And so we went and we visited Stagville Plantation um, and we, you know, I very clearly remember like sticking my thumb in the thumbprint of an enslaved person who like their fingerprint was still in the brick that they had made that was used to build the chimney on their shack house, right? Like, um, and so some of the cultural tensions between, especially between um, black and white down in Durham was shocking. Cause you know, I mean, I grew up in Yankton, South Dakota. And I remember in my elementary school, like I think there were two African-American families my whole time in Yankton that I can distinctly remember um, growing up with. So so that was a shift, but it also echoed the tensions of the reservation. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, like it was a different thing, but it was also very much the same in some ways. Um, just, you know, the prejudices and the stereotypes that we have that are just kind of ingrained in our society that if you're not kind of intentionally aware of them or trying to dismantle them like they're just a part of the air you breathe um and so yeah kind of coming to a reconciliation and you know reckoning of oh like yeah we did sort of look down on folks on the reservation not you know like, I don't remember having conversations around that, but it was just sort of the, yeah. Just kind of, yeah, just part of 
yeah, like you said, the air that you breathe is just sort of known or just sort of understood maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and I didn't grow up in Yankton, but I grew up in South Dakota and that was true of where I was from as well. But, you know, you always have like the exceptions that you can kind of point to, to be like, well, I don't think that, but, you know, just passing comments or, yeah. or jokes and bad taste and things I think kind of can point to that reality. Um, yeah. 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 And so just, you know, confronting like, well, well, why did we, you know, why did we say those jokes or why did we say those things or why did we think X, Y, Z? Um, and trying to just reframe that um, and be, so my first appointment out of seminary was to Calvary United Methodist Church, which was the first reconciling congregation in either North or South Carolina. And for, you know, Methodist folks, uh, a reconciling congregation is one that is intentionally open and affirming of the LGBTQ community. And about half to a third of our congregants on any Sunday morning were LGBTQ. Um, and so being their pastor of this diverse congregation, you know, when we looked out, it was mostly white, but diverse in so many other ways, mm -hmm. um, really helped me to kind of challenge some of my assumptions uh, just in different ways and, you know, kind of carried over with all the racial assumptions as well so yeah that was I think the the diversity um piece was definitely kind of a culture shock but a wonderful um shock and then you know looking back it's kind of the same thing like it was shocking but also like I saw echoes of it right in, in South Dakota as well right I mean we may in South Dakota all look fairly similar um but we are you know it is a diverse place as well with all kinds of you know, the theological spectrum is, is very much represented as well. So yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the things when when people talk about diversity, that they kind of can get stuck in one uh, framework of diversity, realizing that uh, diversity comes in, in many forms, including economic diversity, um, you know, where you're from, and how that has influenced you kind of all of that. Uh, there's uh, they all sort of layer on top of each other. And yeah, anytime you look out into a crowd, uh, they're not all the same for, for many reasons. <laughs> they're not all the same. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's amazing. I, I didn't know that. Um, I mean, I knew you had been serving in the Carolinas, but I, I didn't know uh, anything about the churches where you were serving. Other than that, maybe you were going to have a baby around Easter. I, I do yes. remember, I do remember yes. that. <laughs> oh, our middle one. I was like crossing my fingers and like praying, like, let me be with my congregation on Easter. Like, please hold on little one. And he did. He hung on till I think it was like a week after Easter. So got to be there with him. My younger son, Ethan, was born the week before East, the week before Holy Week. Um, so I missed out on Easter in 2019, oh. which I, I'm not entirely mad about. <laughs> I mean, I had a baby, so um, right. yeah. that's a good reason. Uh, very good reason. But yeah, it's kind of one of those things that um, even if you can plan pregnancy, really, uh, there's never a good time. <laughs> there's never no, there's a good time never. baby. Uh, there's always something you're going to miss out on, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so then moving up to to um, where you are now in Minnesota, what would you say are some of the, the things you are learning uh, in this role, in, in this area, um, in ministry? Yeah, oh my goodness. 
I mean, I feel like it's more of the same, like figuring out how to be a diverse congregation and to live well together. Um, I mean, right, you know, the the drama in the Methodist church that has just like continually been postponed because of the pandemic with general mm -hmm. conference happening and then not happening and then sort of happening online and then not happening online. And yeah, yeah. it's been kind of a roller coaster. Um, and in, in Minneapolis, right, with the death of George Floyd, um, you know, all of the unrest that followed that as well in our congregation, just trying to figure out yeah, how we how we live peaceably together when we don't agree and when we have very different theological beliefs. Um, and yeah, it's it's hard and it's messy and it's really challenging to have those conversations in an open and honest way um, when you know that you do not agree with the person across the table or across the Zoom call from you as we've been doing this last year. Yeah. Um, but I, mean, I think, I mean, it's kind of a joke, but I think that's also part of it is that, you know, we've been separated from one another. And, and I think when you put a computer screen in, you know, in, in between, there's some layer of you, you forget or it, you become even more removed from the humanity of the other person. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. The, yeah, those things become even more challenging, um, you know, that what does it mean to have unity in Christ? And it, that doesn't necessarily mean uniformity. Um, right. And I think sometimes, you know, that's the desire for people is they want um, uniformity when really we're called to unity in Christ. You know, and I feel like John Wesley said something like, you know, if we can't all think alike, can we all at least love alike? And yeah, um, doesn't make it easy. No, oh my goodness, no. Yeah. And, and yeah, with, with, I mean, there's always, I would say this year has probably been one of the most challenging years as, I mean, I've only been in ministry seven years, you know, 10, if you include youth ministry. So, I mean, I don't have a lot under my belt, but I've even heard from, you know, uh, retired clergy that uh, this last year, just with the compounding of the pandemic with racial tension, with political things that this has just been a really challenging year for churches and for leaders in the churches and um and how to how to model being being the body of christ in this kind of climate because nowhere else in culture are you seeing people who are able to engage um with those that they're not that they don't agree with you know yeah. it's just not being modeled anywhere really and so that's that's a, always a challenge before us, I think. So how are you taking care of yourself and your beautiful family in the midst of all of this? As you mentioned, you have three kids uh, and what are their ages right now? Elizabeth is a year and a half. Uh, Paul is four and Marie is seven. So we are, yeah, it's great. It's, they're great ages, they're great ages. Paul just learned how to ride a two-wheel bike. And so we're doing lots of lots of bike rides, uh, getting outdoors as much as we can, especially right after the, the winter where everyone was locked in and away from each other. It's so great to get outside. Um, yeah, we, we love to be outside. We're in Lionel Lakes, um, which is named because there is a line of lakes <laughs> really close by us. Uh, so we love to get out on the water and canoe and just swim and yeah, lots of outdoor time. Yeah, I mean, that's, Minnesota is a very beautiful state for that, you know, and 
what a blessing to to have that line of legs that's clever clever name very creative name yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah oh man that's awesome I was just thinking like I remember so you and I went through some of our provisional time together um yeah. you were commissioned I think two years <laughs> before I was uh with Sarah so yeah yeah I think we had discovered that uh you were commissioned with Sarah but you were ordained with me yeah that was really and that's when I was super duper pregnant at that time I was eight not seven seven months pregnant with Ben when during ordination yeah. and super swollen I couldn't wear the shoes I wanted to wear. yeah oh, <laughs> oh man and Paul that ordination was uh three weeks or no four <laughs> A month old somewhere around there and just screaming in the back of the sanctuary oh but isn't that kind of wonderful too i mean it's wonderful i love know. having little ones in the I sanctuary it's great i don't know so as a pastor mom as well do you get to lead worship as pastor of discipleship often or how does that work so this year uh with the pandemic we're still virtual up here um and so we pre-record on Thursdays and then it goes online Saturday night and Sunday for folks to watch. So with this pandemic year, I've actually got to lead worship a lot more than I had when we were in person. Cause when we were in person, I was kind of behind the scenes, like prepping, making sure all the things were in place for Sunday school, um, for the grownups and the youth and the everybody. Uh, so yeah, so it's been wonderful in some ways to to be able to do the pandemic worship and participate in that way. So I actually just um, preached this well yesterday, Thursday, but will be for this coming Sunday. Um, but yeah, so it's been it's been great to get to do that, kind of be back in that space. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, every church kind of has a different uh, system for how they do things and we're looking at changing our governance system and we're working that it's one of our projects over the summers to really uh, sit down and kind of hammer that out and create that. Uh, and so it's always interesting to kind of hear how different churches are doing that and also how different churches are adapting uh, and have adapted in the last year because, uh, you know, we're all just doing the best we can, right? <laughs> For sure, yeah. Trying something new, seeing how it goes adapting yeah. adjusting yeah some days changing on the fly <laughs> yeah um well I was just thinking you know we we're in person and and um one of the things that I always my husband and I have this conversation a lot um because our boys are very comfortable in the church you know they've grown up in the church and um and so they like to come running up front with me sometimes and uh, you know, maybe are a little more distracting <laughs> and helpful. Um, but, but my thought is always, um, I want the church to be a place where kids feel welcome and kids feel at home. And I want, I want parents to be able to feel comfortable that if their kids are running around, that it's okay. Um, okay. And at the end of the day, if my, kids, if my kids are the worst behaved, that means that your kids aren't. <laughs> I've already got that title. You can not worry about whatever your kids are doing because they're oh, not as bad that. as mine, because <laughs> mine think they own the place. Um, yes, because they're the pastor's kid, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I'm just waiting for the day when Ben kind of pulls that card out of like, well, my mom's the pastor. He hasn't yet. Um, he's, he's taken on just being the pastor himself. Um, but uh, yeah, 
I just, I think it's so important that, that our kids are seen and, and that church is for them as much as it yeah. is for anybody. And so uh, trying to find ways to do that. But when we were online only, if the boys were in the church, you know, like I, the church would kind of really like those moments when they kind of run across the screen or something. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it's kind of a fun thing to to get to have those dual roles of, of mom and pastor and, and how they yeah. kind of intersect and collide. And for sure. Yeah. It's a blessing. When I, before I was at the position I'm in now, I was down uh, in Burnsville at Grace UMC uh, and was a past lead pastor there for a couple of years. And I remember, I guess one of my favorite pictures of me, you know, leading worship, is with me, you know, arms outstretched behind the communion table. And Marie, if you can, if you know, look for her, she's tucked behind the communion table as well with her arms outstretched. Um, and she's just the right height that like you can, be, you know, see like the little tippy top of her head and her legs peeking out under the table. Um, but I think Blair was traveling for work or something that Sunday. And so she, you know, sat in the front row, but at some point during worship, she scurried on up to be with mom. And it was like, I remember another one of the lay leaders was like, you know, kind of like whispering, like trying to do hand signals to me during worship of like, do you want me to go get her? And I was like, it's fine. It's fine. She's, she's good. So yeah, she got to help lead worship and it was wonderful. Yeah. That they can like feel welcome in that space and that, you know, that's just kind of how they, they worship and what a, a joy to get to, to lead alongside the little ones. And to, I mean, it kind of right goes all the way back to youth group in Yankton, where I very much like felt empowered um, to step into those roles because we were allowed to. Mm -hmm. um, I remember leading some of the Sunday youth worship um, and Dane was like, you know, kind of the whole figured out again thing. Like he didn't give us this script of here's the prayer you're going to say, and here's mm -hmm. this you're going to do. It was up to the youth to, well, what do you want to pray for? And what do you want the call to worship to be? And, uh, and so we got to figure that out and to step into that leadership role, into that space. Um, and, you know, if we messed up, we messed up and the church still loved us <laughs> anyways. Right. Um, yeah. I think that's so empowerful to, yeah, to not limit what God can do in people because of their age or anything, any, any sort of qualification that God, God can use anybody. And that, that was actually one of the things we talked about in our sermon just this last week. We've been doing this series called Dare to Dance Again. And at the end of the sermons, I've been having a dance video, which I'm not a dancer, but it's been really a fun challenge to try to find a dance video that goes along with what I'm preaching. And so this last week, I found one from um, uh, Britain's Got Talent of this uh, woman who I'm going to guess was in her 80s. Uh, dancing to the dirty dancing scene you know and like oh my goodness. her partner's like flipping her around and it's like you just never know what people are capable of unless you give yeah. them a chance right and and it's really cool to hear how how Dane did that and and how the church embraced that uh in Yankton that's really cool yeah I was just thinking there was, there's a, I got a, I do God moments as well. And, and a lady in the church sent me her God moment and her granddaughter who attends church as well. 
uh, was playing at her house and took her doll out to the bird bath and baptized her doll in the name of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And I was like, this is the best thing. Like, that is, that's my God moment as well. Like, I wasn't even there, but even just hearing that, like, again, that that people can feel like they're a part of it. And that, and I want children to feel that way, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. If she's playing church, like that's yeah. how kids incorporate mm-hmm. new learning into their life is through play. So yeah, yeah, if the church is like entering into that space, that's remarkable. That's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. It's really cool. So well, Jen, this has been so much fun to get to visit with you. And would it be all right if I prayed for you and for your for your ministry? Absolutely. Please do. Dear God, I thank you for uh, this time with Jen. And I, I ask your blessing to be upon her and upon her church and her ministry and the work that they are doing. God, we ask that you would continue to guide them through your spirit, that you would empower them to um, <clears throat> make space for their people to do the ministry that you have called them all to do together. And God, we pray as well for Jen's family, for her husband and her three children, and that uh, they would continue to um, be loved and supported by their churches and that uh, that they would uh, continue to grow in God's love and grace throughout their lives. God, we are grateful for being a part of Jen's story uh, and her calling. And we ask that you continue to open our eyes and our hearts to the people in our midst who are are also experiencing that call or who have the potential to experience that call. Help us to make that space. Help us to allow um, those who want to try something in leadership to be able to do it, uh, to take a chance, to try something, to make mistakes. God, let us continue in this legacy that we have built in Yankton as a place where people can hear your call and be supported enough to answer it. So God, we thank you for Jen. We thank you for your faithfulness in her life and in ours. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It's been such a blast to have you on the podcast. And maybe we'll have to do another one in the future and check in again and see and see where you are there. You never know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, Anytime. God bless. <laughs> thank you for joining us on this episode of What's Going On, a video and audio podcast of First United Methodist Church in Yankton, South Dakota. We'd love to have you join us for worship on Sundays, and we have two options available. 9 a.m. is our contemporary service, and 10.30 a.m. is our traditional service. You can find those online as well at our website, www.firstumcyankton.org, or on YouTube. 